Hello and welcome everyone to the Asian Voices Youth Radio Podcast. I'm Ozan Tong. I'm Jazen Tong. And we're your hosts for this special Asian Voices Radio episode where we discuss any and all topics related to life growing up as an Asian and Pacific Islander American. On today's show, we're going to be discussing music, representation of South Asian women in new media, as well as advice for younger Asian American creatives. Joining us today on the program is Salika. She's an R&B artist with songs such as Remain for the feature film Old and The Sky Falls on Apple Plus' series Servant. She also has an upcoming tour starting on November 17th. Welcome to the show, Salika. How are you doing today? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. This is so fun. Uh, actually, a really quick question, just... Uh, personally for me how how do you guys pronounce your last name because i've heard a whole bunch of other people say it a <laughs> whole bunch of different times in a whole bunch of different ways so uh, let's just go ahead and settle that debate today <laughs> <laughs> we say it Shyamalan. Shyamalan. Okay. um yeah we don't pronounce the y but you know there's some debate i feel like maybe many generations back in india they pronounced it differently um we might have an americanized pronunciation okay. of that well you heard it here first folks Debate has been settled. <laughs> uh, first off, we just wanted to know if you could start by telling us what your life was like growing up in the East Coast as a South Asian American. Were there any particular challenges or struggles that you had to face doing so? Um, you know, I think looking back that I wish that I would have had more of a South Asian community where we lived, which we didn't really have. Um, and the school that I went to was, you know, predominantly white. So I think that at the time when I was growing up, I, I didn't realize that that was necessarily a struggle or a challenge. But now that I look back, I, I, I can see myself growing up and see how much I felt that I didn't fit in and didn't have that kind of cultural community or home base outside of my actual home. And I think that made me feel, you know, that I had to kind of maybe hide those parts of my identity or push them away to fit in. Um, and so now I'm kind of undoing a little bit of that. But it wasn't necessarily, I didn't perceive it that way during my childhood, but now I think as an adult, I'm looking back and seeing, you know, the effect of that. Yeah, we actually really do understand where you're coming from. Growing up, Ozzy and I also grew up in a school that was predominantly Hispanic. We didn't really, weren't in touch with many members of our specific community. So we get where you're coming from in terms of growing up with people that aren't, I guess, similarly grown up in the same culture and background as you. So it can be tough self-identifying at a young age but i think nowadays nowadays it's honestly a lot easier to self-identify because of like well for social media for example you know you can connect with so many people that grew up in similar backgrounds as you so austin and i are glad to hear that you're definitely growing more comfortable in your own like ethnic uh skin as you're getting older I think going to college really helped me with that because it was just a much more diverse place. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I got to meet a lot and my, you know, friends and just the people that I was meeting was a lot more diverse. And um, I think that helps me realize that the things that make me different are actually maybe good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and that I shouldn't let go of those things. Um, but it's interesting. Today is actually Diwali. Um, so that's an important, you know, tradition in my culture. And I just remember like in school, I would reject that and pretend that I didn't know what it was oh. and like act, you know, too cool to <laughs> celebrate it. And, <laughs> oh, man. um, yeah, and no, I just, I was thinking about that, but it's interesting. C could you actually tell um, us about Diwali if you don't mind? You know, yeah, I think it's, it's a celebration of late. I, I honestly, I don't know much about it, but it's kind of essentially, there's a lot of, you know, mythology associated with it, but it's essentially about light kind of prevailing over darkness. Mm, okay. So it's very hopeful. And, and we light the, which are little candles and put them around the house, you know, one in each room. 
Yeah. Honestly, it's always interesting hearing about other people's uh, cultural, I guess, traditions and uh, and holidays and all that stuff. Um, But moving on, uh, as is the case with most Asian parents, I assume your parents uh, were strict with you and must have had high standards with a set career decided for you. Uh, Was being a musician what they had in mind for you to pursue? And did you also learn musical instruments and sing when you were little? Um, yes, they definitely have high standards <laughs> and were pretty strict. Um, I They put me in p- classical piano lessons when I was four. Um, and so that was kind of my original path that I was on. And um, where, you know, my, my piano teacher is also pretty strict about it. And I, I took it very seriously from a young age. And so that was kind of my original career, that path that I was on. And up until I was about 16, you know, I was planning to go to a musical conservatory and to be a classical pianist and to really do that. And I was at the point where I was, you know, practicing three hours every day and, you know, not going to summer camp and just, you know, playing piano and, you know, doing all that. Like, (laughs) um, I think, you know, for my parents, that was a, they understood that world a little bit more because I think it's, it's, you know, classical music and for some reason resonates with Asian culture. And I think we feel comfortable in that space. But then when you go beyond that, there's a little bit of fear and unknown associated with it. And so when I was about 16, I kind of decided, you know, I was having all these internal struggles and identity struggles. And I was like, I don't know if I want to be a classical pianist. And I don't know if this is right for me. And I knew that I loved music, but I just felt like that wasn't the right the you know the final outlet that I needed and I was starting to love singing and writing and lyrics and all this kind of stuff and I kind of wanted to put it together um, and just be more creative about it because also classical piano is very much about strict you know being perfect and getting all the notes exactly when they're supposed to be and the best you can be is to not deviate from you know this the the sheet music and the score so um, there's a it's very kind of precise and and about perfection and I kind of wanted to be a little bit more creative um, and I didn't know how to do that through classical music I think now as an adult I'm realized I'm seeing all the value in it and seeing how it can be more creative but you know 16 year old me was a little rebellious teenager and wanted to <laughs> break out of the, <laughs> the boundaries um, and so at that point I think my parents were scared by that choice of me wanting to be a singer-songwriter because that was something they didn't know anything about and not the path that they thought I was going to be on. Um, so I think there was definitely a fear there and a transition period where they were learning to understand this new world and kind of see the value in it and then, you know, became my biggest supporters after a little bit. Actually, a follow-up question to that is, did your parents ever tell you what they wanted you to pursue? Mentioned earlier that they didn't expect you to want to be a singer-songwriter. I think it was, you know, classical piano was what they envisioned for me just because I started it so young. I was four. And even by the time I was six, it was a very serious, like I was very serious about it, even from that very young age. And my piano teacher was very serious about it. And I was, you know, taking it like, this is my passion and, and spending a lot of time on it. So I think that that's what they envisioned for me just because I started it so young. There was never a time where I was like, I'm not sure what I'm interested in. Like it was just there from the time I was four. Oh, that's interesting because I, I know your sister is a filmmaker. And since your father is a filmmaker, I would have always thought that they would try to encourage you to follow that same path. But I'm guessing that's not the case. 
It's interesting. You know, my parents, even though they're both very creative and my dad is a filmmaker, they're very much of the mindset that you don't go into the arts unless you have no other choice and this is the only thing that you're interested in and you're going to do it 100% and be completely disciplined about it because, you know, I think that the, you know, fear of this unknown kind of world and industry is is still there, even though my dad's in it and he saw the ins and outs and how fickle it can be and how unpredictable and you know, it's a, it's a scary thing to go into because there's not really a set path and you, you could spend years and, and, you know, not still be able to support yourself. So there's a lot of, um, yeah, there's a lot of insecurity there. So I think my parents are both in the mindset with me and my sisters that if you're going to go into the arts, you better be sure and you better be ready to dedicate your life to it and, you know, not waver on that. <laughs> that I just got um, major flashbacks to my own parents saying that to yeah. me saying, but they still left that as a possibility. And, you know, obviously both my sister and I took that. So, <laughs> you know, that's a that's a pretty real perspective right there. Definitely. And I remember like points in time where, you know, I was even in college and not necessarily spending my time as much writing. And I was, you know, being a college student and taking classes and, you know, hanging with my friends. They're like, do you even want to do this music thing? Like, <laughs> is this what you want to do? Because if, if you're not going to dedicate 24-7 to it, you might as well just find something else <laughs> so i think it was you know they wanted to me and my sister to prove that this is really our passion and there's nothing else um and i think we both did come to that place yeah you did you both have gone very far you know especially for people of our age or around your age back you came very far i have to say thank you so as a singer and a pianist did you have any role models or idols growing up listening to that helped form eventually the type of sound or music that you are putting out today? Because I know that you are classified as an R&B artist. So were there any idols or anybody that you are trying to not emulate, but I guess inspired the type of music you're trying to produce today? Oh, I think it's definitely an amalgamation of a lot of influences. I think, you know, I really, there's a lot of, you know, badass female singers that I really look up to. I think Nina Simone is a huge one for me. And she was also a classical pianist at first and kind of melded the two. So that's a huge kind of inspiration and influence for me. Um, I, you know, Bob Marley is another one just as a songwriter and as a human. Um, I really love Sarah Vaughn, who's a jazz singer. I just think her vocals are amazing. Um. I also grew up listening to a lot of Etta James, so her music really influences me, I think. And, you know, of course, Amy Winehouse and Lauren Hill are two artists that I think were just played around the house a lot when I was young and really, you know, are just, I think the kind of fusion of R&B and jazz and a little bit of hip hop and, and kind of all those things really drew me in and it feels like my home base when I think about like a, a sonic space and and I think those two artists really kind of created that space for me and especially Lauren Hill kind of you know she she lived she lived nearby and she recorded the album kind of 20 minutes from where I live and you know she's a woman of color and kind of one of the first women of color to be the face of like R&B and hip-hop um in a kind of public way. And I think that really made me feel like, oh, this is something that maybe I could do. Um, I think, you know, you don't see a lot of Asians or any Asians really in that space. And so I think I was just looking towards other women of color as kind of models and inspirations for me. You know, actually, that's a good segue into my next question. So I know that you're one of the very few, if only, if only South Asian 
music artists that's in the U.S. other than I think Nora Jones. Uh, why do you think we haven't seen any more representation of South Asian women in the entertainment space, not only in music but in TV and film? And do you think that's going to change as you know as the as as time progresses? Yeah, I do think it's starting to change, and I think that I get so excited every time I see anyone you know Asian or South Asian in TV and movies and music, and it's that's because it's rare. But I I, I do see it changing in. I think it's, you know, partially what we talked about before of just, you know, I think the Asian parent mentality is comfortable with certain areas and certain fields and kind of breaking out of that, there's this fear factor. Um, And, you know, I bet there's a lot of history kind of associated with this in the way that, you know, Asian, Asians immigrated to the U.S. and the kind of education and the, the qualifiers that were put on allowing Asians to immigrate to the U.S. was a lot, you know, like in my family, my grandparents' generation all came because they were med students. They had a medical degree and that was the only way they could actually come to the U.S. And so there's this kind of to survive in this country, you have to prioritize education and be in these one of these few f- fields and also kind of conform to this idea of the caste system that the U.S. has where Asians fulfill certain you know, spaces and not other spaces. And Asians are not necessarily considered the creatives and the artists and, you know, the performers in the U.S. And so that's kind of a a boundary that we have to break through. And we're definitely starting to do that and see that. Um, And I think that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, that actually kind of makes me think like that whole mentality of like tiger parents. You've heard of that, right? Yeah. Imagine if they applied that instead of towards (laughs) your child becoming like a doctor or a lawyer, like those stereotypical Asian things, but like in terms of being a performer, you know, that I feel like the amount of effort and drive and motivation you would push your child to do in in performing arts, I feel like that would produce a lot more Asian American creatives in a more Yeah. We just gotta harness that energy. <laughs> yeah. Just gotta harness it's definitely that energy. There. <laughs> oh no, I was gonna say, you know, I think my parents kind of transitioned into that a little bit. Obviously, as it was, I was older when I kind of decided to become a singer songwriter. So, but I think they they did harness that you know kind of tiger parent energy into the discipline and making sure that me and my sisters applied that same discipline in whatever field that we wanted to pursue. So, it's it's a cool thing. It's a lot of power. <laughs> you know, I do have to say, I think you're a very gifted singer songwriter. I heard your Thank song you. "Graffiti" and that that actually hit me pretty personally oh thank you so much i'm glad i feel like that song you could relate to it either or gender or any gender that you identify with because it's that's that Mm -hmm. song that tells about feeling the after effects of the things said to you from a past relationship which is the part that i relate to the most in that song yeah thank you i'm glad i'm glad it resonated we mentioned earlier that you had two songs in, you know, your dad's film Old and the TV show Sky Cry, uh, the TV show Servant with the song Sky Cries. A lot of the songs that you write that you've mentioned in your interviews, you say that you pull them from personal experiences and developed perspectives or major events in, you know, one's life. Uh, were there any specific moments in your life? you know, or event that you drew from personally when you write music and lyrics or is Is it the same process when you're writing a song that you created personally versus writing a song specifically geared towards the theme of a show or the theme of a film? Yeah, it's definitely different. I think for my personal songs, I 
have really drawn very specifically from things that I'm going through and it's because it's kind of my way of processing what I'm going through in life so it's often just I think very exact to this situation that I'm in right now or the things that I'm thinking about or you know something that happened to me um, and I think actually, you know, writing for TV and film has kind of opened my perspective on how to write songs because it's kind of given me a different outlet. It doesn't have to be, you know, a source of pain in my life that's exact. And I think I, I was kind of in in this, I was kind of holding myself into this little bubble of every word that I write has to really be true to something that I'm, that's, that I'm going through. Um, and I think now I'm kind of starting to be more creative with it because of writing for TV and film, because in those situations I'm often writing based off of a script and based off a character and a storyline. And so it can't be about my life, you know, it has to be about the things that are going on, but it's actually been so fun and exciting to write from that perspective because it takes me out of my own head and it's so much more fun and free and creative. And I can kind of imagine things and, and still connect to it in a deep way because there's such universal themes and feelings and, you know, heartbreak and love and loss and insecurity and fear, all these things, we all feel them all the time. And so there's so much to connect to there. But at the same time, I'm able to take those feelings and express them in maybe a way that I wouldn't in my own personal space, in my own, you know, personal life, and kind of do that through the stories of these characters. And I think especially um, with Servant, because it's such a, you know, creepy, moody, kind of haunting TV show, that's really kind of helped me break out of that headspace because I'm like okay now it needs to be in this kind of bluesy dark jazzy vibe and I'm able to just kind of go into that world I think it's actually a little bit of both you know because I think um now when I go back to writing personal songs I I'm constricting myself less and I'm realizing it doesn't have to be like a journal entry exactly like I can express a feeling through maybe a metaphor or words that are you know not exact to my own experiences but really still convey what I'm trying to say um but I do think there's this added pressure of a tv show where I want it to kind of fit into this character and 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 fit into a space and a feeling um and I like to kind of be I, I like to put in little references to kind of imagery that's there in the film or the tv show and probably some things that nobody will even notice <laughs> but I like to do that for my own self like it just to kind of feel like it's part of the world um so that's been a, a little fun as time goes on more and more people of the aapi community in our generation specifically are actually pursuing their passions in the creative arts whether it's a uh, filmmaking singing writing or acting for most of us i believe it's because of the generational gap uh as someone with a parent that works in that creative field and that was 100 percent supportive of your career choice do you have what kind of advice would you like to give or share with those who are unfortunately not getting support from their parents of what they want to pursue yeah i mean i think um what i've realized is that a lot of the times when our parents don't support us it's not because they want to constrict us or they want to hurt us in any way. It's really just because they're afraid and they want the best for us. Um, and they don't know what the creative arts are like and they don't know that industry. And so for them, a child going into that space feels scary and they don't understand it and they want their kids to be safe and protected and on a path that they can feel confident in. And the arts are definitely not that, you know, it's very fickle and it's very unpredictable. Um, so I think just reminding ourselves that that's where our parents are coming from and and that it comes from love and it's not <laughs> necessarily uh, meant to hurt us. But I think we can kind of give them comfort by 
treating our craft with a lot of discipline and a lot of, um, you know, just energy and love and attention and, and give it the kind of discipline and, and things that our parents know and respect and they can kind of open their minds to it by seeing that we're applying the same, you know, level of work ethic that we would be applying to maybe a field that they feel more comfortable in, but we're just doing the same thing in a different space. And they can kind of see that and maybe bridge that gap in a way. But, you know, it's it's different in every family. But I think, you know, that's something that my dad had to go through. And even just in kind of transitioning into music, which is a space that my parents didn't really know much about, we had those conversations of them being afraid and not knowing what to expect and and feeling afraid for me and not knowing what the path is going to be. And still now we have those conversations of like, how do you make money from music? You know, you don't make money from streaming and they're afraid and they don't understand it. And even though my dad has gone into film, he feels comfortable in that space. But any other art space is like, well, what is this? This is a new world, you know? So I, I think I've, I've, I can understand a little bit, but I think it's, it always comes out of love and, and protectiveness. Um, and, and there's, there's room to kind of grow within that and get support from our parents by just showing how dedicated we are and and working hard. And even if you don't get it, keep working hard. And, you know, if this is what you love, just go for it. You know, if you can't live without it, then you got to do it. (laughs) That's some very solid advice. You know, based off your social media, I know that you're also a social activist advocating for women's rights and youth education. Can you tell us about some causes or movements that you're involved with and passionate about? Yeah, I think, you know, the women's rights movement is always something that's going to be close to my heart as a as a woman myself. Um, I think recently I've also been kind of learning a little bit more about the criminal justice system and getting a little bit involved in criminal justice reform and, you know, just understanding the implications of mass incarceration and everything that's going on in our country and how that kind of feeds into all these other areas of basically systematic oppression, whether it's education or housing or opportunities or any, it just, it affects so much of everything that we do in this country. And I think it's something that's not necessarily talked about enough. Um, My parents have a foundation, so I've been lucky enough to kind of watch them and learn from them and and kind of experience the organizations that they work with and, and just learn from watching those. And so I'm starting to just kind of get involved in that process and, and, um, just understand things better. But I think, um, you know, criminal justice reform is something that is really important. And I, I live right outside of Philly. And I think Philadelphia is one of the highest has one of the highest rates of mass incarceration and also youth incarceration, which is really wild. You know, um, sometimes youths can be sentenced to life in adult prison, which is really kind of unfathomable. And I, you know, kind of going into the system and seeing how that happens just has opened my mind to all the issues that have been going on. And it, you know, all stems from, you know, the racism that our country was founded on. So there's a lot in, you know, to delve into there. And I'm definitely not an expert, but I'm, I'm trying to kind of learn more in this space. I, I do want to say that although you do say that you're not an expert, I think it's actually really great that you're trying to stay informed because a lot of people tend to form their own opinions based off of what other people are telling them or just sometimes even just off the internet itself, but to stay informed is honestly one of the biggest things you can do. And honest praise, respect for trying to stay informed. Thank you. It's definitely hard because I think like the the information is definitely kept from us in general and it's not told to us in school and it's not told to us in a, in an understandable way because I think we're not supposed to know this because then we would question all of these things. So um, it's definitely something that, 
you have to pursue. And I'm lucky enough to have people around me who are also passionate about that and and can help me and, and, and send me resources and all of that. So I think that I'm lucky because of the community that I am in. You seem to have a very close relationship with your parents and siblings, which is really wonderful. One of the main goals of this podcast is to provide a safe space for that younger generation in our AAPI community to feel understood and to be heard, especially to have the kind of conversations that they have difficulty with their own parents. Uh, for example, mental health and relationship issues. Well, do you have any advice or words of comfort you'd like to give to those that are listening to you right now, especially those who are hurting? Um, you know, that's a hard one. I think mental health and relationship issues are things that I'm also going through and trying to understand and deal with and, um, I guess, unpack within myself. And so I guess I would just say, you know, know that you're not alone. And even if you're in a house or a space or a community that doesn't talk about those things, you're not the only one that's feeling those things. And there's so many people out there who you probably look up to and think that their lives are amazing and they're feeling the same things that you're feeling and they're dealing with mental health issues and they feel depressed at times and, you know, they feel heartbroken and alone. And so I think just realizing that we're not alone has is something that gives me peace a lot of the time and just feeling like I can there's people that I can talk to who understand and there's artists that I look up to who are talking about the same things that I I'm feeling um so you know I don't have much expertise or advice beyond that but I guess I would just say yeah you know I think that's for me what is a beautiful thing about the arts is that it can make us feel not alone in the things that we're going through um so yeah well, that was well-spoken and well-said. Oh, thank you. I know a lot of, you know, big music artists have, when they're getting ready for a big concert or for those that are creating their first music video, do you have any suggestions or tips on how they can overcome the anxiety or stage fright that comes with that? And in your case, do you have any rituals or something that you do prior to stepping out into that spotlight when you perform? Oh my gosh. So I still have very extreme stage fright, if I'm being <laughs> honest, and anxiety. <laughs> Um, I always have had that since I was, you know, four years old and doing <laughs> piano recitals to now doing festivals. I still feel the same. <laughs> I still feel that stage fright. I think, you know, it's now getting to the place where I just feel an anxious until I get out there. And now I'm kind of learning to have fun with it and um, just get into the music and enjoy it. But it's definitely a process. I'm still really learning. And there's times where I can't get out of that that anxiety when if there's something that goes wrong, the anxiety comes right back. If the sound is messed up or my in-ears are, are, you know, a mess and I, I go back into that anxiety. So it's kind of, I have to learn how to not let those things bother me. And that's a process that I'm still learning. Um, I would say, I, I think I've been trying to switch my mentality from, you know, getting on stage and trying to prove something or trying to make sure that people like it or like me or the songs to instead of that thinking of it as giving something to the audience and just being out there and giving what I have and if you think of it as giving the mistakes don't matter as much and it's not about being perfect because you're not trying to prove anything and it's just about you know I'm trying to entertain this amazing group of people and these beautiful people and give them a good experience for this hour or whatever that I'm on stage so I'm trying to kind of shift my perspective into that because I feel like that kind of takes me out of my own head and and kind of self-consciousness, <laughs> but it's a process. <laughs> You've worked with one of your sisters in a recent horror thriller film, Old, which your father wrote, produced, and directed. What was it like working with your father and sister? And do you also see yourself working with your father on film projects in the future? Yeah, for example, maybe as an actress? You know, so I, 
it's actually been amazing because over the past year and some, my sister, my dad, and I have actually collaborated in a lot of different ways. Um, so, you know, we all worked on Servant together, which my dad produces, and my sister has written and directed episodes for that show. And then I've been writing music for that show as well. So I think in that, that was our kind of first, all of us collaborating together. Um, and then as, you know, also my sister directed three music videos for me and my dad directed one music video for me. So that was another space where we all kind of worked together and and was an amazing experience. And then, you know, mo most recently the, the film Old, my sister was a second unit director on. And I wrote the kind of, title and and credit song for that film that's also kind of used throughout the movie um you know my my I'm kind of watching them just do their movie thing and their film thing and and directing and all that and I'm just kind of writing songs on the side so I feel like they have a much different bond because they're in the same field and they're doing the same things and there's a lot of intricacies into the, the things that they can share with each other and um but it's been really amazing to work with both of them and kind of transition our, our family dynamic from, you know, sitting at the dinner table talking about our projects to really working together and collaborating in, in these big scale projects. It's been amazing. And I, I'm, I'm so, I feel so grateful to have them. And, you know, I just think my sister is so incredibly talented and, and amazing. And um, it's really been an honor to have our dad kind of s believe in us to the, to the, like, extreme that he would allow us to be part of his own projects I think that's such an honor and that's such a for me that was like a really big point of realizing how much he believes in me and believes in my music that he would ask me to write a song for his film and I think that was just a huge bonding moment um for our family that we all kind of collaborated on a, a, a movie together in a way um so yeah and I I think you know I, I would love to c continue collaborating with them I'm, I'm working on another music video with my sister now and I'm also writing three more songs for the next season of Servant um wow. and then hopefully you know I would love my dream would definitely be to do a kind of film a, a feature film project with my dad um and kind of a musical acting wow. role kind of combo so we've been you know talking about that that's many years down the line but that's a dream <laughs> <laughs> well i do have to say this personally for me i believe the soundtrack is an extremely important part of films and televisions oh, yeah. so do not downplay yourself when you say you're just <laughs> sitting to the side writing songs because for some of my favorite films i just listen to the soundtrack on repeat but it's true. <laughs> I know you've opened for both R&B legends and up and coming artists such as Boys to Men, Summer Walker and Baby Rose, just to name a few. Now that you're getting ready to go on your own tour, which congratulations, by the way, um, tell us more about it and when and where, where are you going to be performing? Um, yeah, so it's actually a little more of a residency than a tour. So I'm I'm doing shows in Philadelphia, New York, and D.C. And I did that set of shows um, a few weeks ago, and I'll be back again in a couple weeks. So um, I think it's November 17th, I'll be in Philly at World Cafe Live. Um, the 18th, I'll be in New York at Rockwood Music Hall. And then the 19th, I'll be in D.C. at um, Songbird Music Cafe, I think I'm not 100 sure of the name but <laughs> yeah okay? so those are the three venues and um i'll be yeah performing at each of those spaces and then again in december so it's been really fun to kind of just have all these shows set and kind of lock in the set list and, and practice with the band um it's been really fun and last time we also had we also performed in austin at acl on that same week so it was like a bunch of shows at once and it was it was really fun oh well 
hopefully for everybody that's up in New York, DC, and Philly, you guys go check out Salika's show. Yes, uh, it's please. Gonna be- <laughs> <laughs> uh, un- unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. We want to again thank our guest Salika for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. No problem. Thank you for being here with us. Honestly, it's a great honor. Um, if you guys want to learn more about Salika, especially her upcoming tour, check out her official website, salikamusic.com. And you guys can also follow her on Instagram, at Salika. If you guys have any suggestions for future topics impacting our API youth, we'd love to hear from you guys. Also, be sure to subscribe, as well as follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as following us on AsianVoicesRadio.com. Until next time, I'm Jawsden. And I'm Osden. And we'd like to thank you guys again for listening today. And please join us again next time for another exciting and thought-provoking episode. Take care until then, everyone.